Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. AMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks. Welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline, and I'll be giving you a tip of the trial shortly. But right now, if you'd like to get in line or in queue... You can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your questions, concerns, or comments. Matt will be answering the phone, and uh, all you need to do is give him your name and where you're calling from. And then he'll put it on the computer and the screen, and I will be talking to you all. I take the calls in order, so first come, first serve. And, again, thanks for having me on your show, and... Uh, Boy, ups and downs and all arounds, this has very, been a really totally wild year as far as I thought there'd be a lot more insects you know, than there are. But in my yard, as I've said for the last couple of weeks, I never had you know, pine sawflies before or rose slugs, which are actually rose sawflies. And I had them both this year. It was just, it caught me totally by surprise. But I'm not seeing a whole lot of flies. I'm not seeing a whole lot of other insects that usually when the weather gets as warm as it was this past week, they're always out there and everything else. But if you have a question about your annuals, your bulbs, your edibles, ground covers, if you do have grass growing into your broadleaf ground cover, so in other words, into your ivy or your ajuga or your periwinkle, you can get a grass killer and spray it on the grass, it won't impact your other plants that are broadleaf types. So this even includes if you've got a perennial bed or anything else, as long as there's not a grassy type plant like a lily or something there, you're fine. You can actually select to kill the grass without impacting the other plants. So the same thing you know, for any kind of shrubs. So your lawn, your perennials, your roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts and remember my answers, opinions, and comments. is certainly not the only garden path to take, but just something for you to consider. As I said before, Matt is producing, and uh, during the week I do landscape consulting. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, which is an evaluation, whether it's an aesthetic circumstance or problem solving or anything else, uh, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. And the homepage will have my email address and phone number. Today after the show, I'm headed to South County, deep South County, off Merrimack Bottom Road. So off Kurth, actually. So, so take a look at uh, somebody's yard. So, The tip of the trial is a special recognition for an individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out to, if you remember, if you were listening in the first hour for you, you know, if you weren't, it doesn't matter. This is National Pollinator Week. Today is and tomorrow are the last two days of the week. So it's National Pollinator Week. So if you're interested in, you know, how important the bees and other pollinators are, uh, how about joining the Eastern Missouri Beekeepers Association? Or that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have a beehive yourself 
or butterflies. There's a butterfly association, North American Butterfly Association, St. Louis version. So pollinators, you know, way beyond just those two things. There's lots of different. There's like 200,000 different kind of insects that pollinate, but there are certainly ones that have better press than other ones. So since this is National Pollinator Week, and Brightside St. Louis, they've got in their demonstration garden, they've got all kinds of sign information-wise and everything else. Uh, you might go ahead and just stop by there, too. So you can check out their website and great stuff. So another thing I wanted to talk about is the Knockout Rose Report. I've been growing. I got them last year at Stark Brothers when we were doing a broadcast from there. Knockout Roses that I've been growing in pots. I overwintered them in the garage. They made it through fine. But what I did with I have four, and with the three with three of them I cut them back as I normally do after the first flush. So we're into the second flush now. But another one, the fourth one, I just let it go because I wanted to see what the difference is. The only difference I can actually tell is the plant that I didn't prune back is obviously bigger, and also it's a little bit you know by not pruning it back. The actual emergence of the new flower buds and the flowers opening has been set back about a week or 10 days behind the other three that I did prune back. But other than that, and the aesthetics of it is, you know, not, you know, because you're seeing all these spent flowers from last time. The petals have all fallen, so you just kind of see these sepals and things like that just hanging on there. But I can't see any reason if you don't feel like pruning your knockout roses back, there's not going to be that much difference in the overall production or the ability of those to do well. So that's the Knockout Rose Report for this week. And uh, let's, why don't we go ahead and just take a break. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We, we will be back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, to the phones we go, Lebanon, Illinois, and that's where Jim lives. Jim, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Very good. Good. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I've got two mature oak trees in my backyard, and they and what I'm told is that hornets or wasps can uh, lay their eggs under the surface of the bark on the smaller branches, and then this um, knobby, knotty growth occurs, makes a um, it may be a half inch to two inch round hard growth on the branch. Right. And is there anything I can do about that? And will that kill the tree? They generally, it generally does not kill the tree. The only time it becomes problematic is if you get so many galls on certain branches, it causes a crack you know, at the intersection of that branch to the next branch, and then moisture or whatever else can get in there and cause internal problems. But usually it's more of an aesthetic problem than anything else. So uh, are these, what type of oaks do you have? Are you have red oaks or white oaks? I'm not sure. Okay, are the leaves spiky or are they smooth on the edge? Uh, they're spiky. So then you probably got a red oak family, and they're much more prone to it. If you don't have the, let's say, the galls formed yet, I would not worry too much about it. But if you want to, you can get a tree service to come out. They can set, you know, do an injection into it, but the injection really only lasts for like one year. So you'd have to do it year after year after year. But okay. uh, usually what happens when the, let's say, the wasp, they, as a larvae, that's what causes this bloating of the stem 
you know, of this gall, they kind of hang out in the same area where they were born. That's not to say they won't be blown away to another oak someplace else or who knows where. But uh, if you don't have them, I wouldn't be too overly concerned, but it is something to think about if you're going to try to do a preventative. Okay, and there are a lot of those galls. Uh, I can look up. The, the oh. tree has been trimmed down in the lower 30 feet, uh-huh. but looking up into the branches, I can see quite a few of those. Yeah, so if you have them already, then you're probably going to consistently have them because, like I say, they kind of hang out wherever they were born. So, okay. I mean, they can. It's not going to cause the existing galls to fall off, but what it will do is probably limit the amount of galls that you may get in the future. Okay. So just get a hold of a tree service and have them come out and take a look and see about the injection system. Okay. And a quick question on the Bonide product, sure. the yeah. mosquito beater. Yeah. If your neighbors don't use the mosquito beater, is that going to be effective um, in our yard? Only if you use a repellent. So that's okay. what you have to do is use a repellent. If your neighbors are not using them, they probably don't, don't go outside. But uh, try using the repellent as far as you know, as one of the, let's say, things that curtail the mosquitoes from coming across the property line. Okay, very good. Great. Thank you. Yeah, and now let's go from Illinois to South County into Martha's yard. Martha, how are you? Good. I have a uh, flowering bed on one side of my house. Up close to the house, I've got a rhododendron, and then I've got a um, crepe myrtle. So, but around the front, I normally put bedding plants, and I have not done that this year. I bought, I did it on most of the yard, but I didn't do it on that, and I have some coleus that I was going to plant. But in the meantime, since I haven't taken good care of that side, I've got a bunch of weeds in there, and I was wanting to put, um, I guess, maybe Roundup or something on it to get rid of all the weeds, right. and then... How long do I need to wait before I plant my plants? Just make sure that the weeds look dead. So Roundup deactivates when it hits the ground, so you don't have to worry about you know ground contamination. But you want to make sure that these weeds are entirely dead. So you know, crush the leaves first on the weeds, then you know, they apply the Roundup. Usually, it's going to be any place you know because they're actively growing very fast this time of year. Any place between 10 to 14 days before they're going to be completely dead, systemic-wise, all the way down through the root system, then you can put your new plants in after that time. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Yep, it's, so it's going to be a, a little wait. You can't do it immediately by any means. So now let's go okay. from South County to Milstadt and into Gene's yard. Hi, Gene. Hi, Mike. Hi. How are you? Very good. Um, I, we, had, we came home from vacation. And we had a tree that fell down, not just a branch, but a whole tree. Yikes. And in the garden of my yard, I have planted lilacs and Rosa rugosa. Mm-hmm. And um, the lilacs are about eight foot tall, but it smashed them all. Ooh. So do I cut them off? Or Because they look really bad right now. Yeah, anything that's broken or any kind of cracks on anything at all, you got to cut that off. you got to get rid of it entirely. Okay, the ones that are laying over, do I try to just push them back up then? <laughs> if you want to. But, you know, they generally won't be laying over unless they've been cracked. So, in other words, that's usually what happens. And especially if these are well-established plants, it's not like they were young and, you know, they could tilt and, you know, have flexibility to them. So I would say anything that's, you know, laying over on its side, I'd, you don't have to get rid of it immediately. You can always just prop them up, 
you know, and use, let's say, bungee cord or something to hold them all up and, you know, and wait and see what happens next year and do the pruning, necessary pruning at that time. But uh, I wouldn't have, uh, you know, be realistic about it. Let's put it that way. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Thanks so much. Sure. Bye. Yeah. Anything that's damaged, you know, if th- there's cracks and everything else, that's just an invitation for all kinds of other problems that could make. So the shrub, be it lilac or rose rugosa, you know, has a difficult time not only recovering. So clean cuts is always the best way to go. Now let's go to Rich and Rich is in House Spring. Hi, Rich. Hi, Mike. How are you today? Good. Three quick questions. One, my mums are just exploding. They're huge. Uh, is this the right time of the year to cut them back? Yes, this is the final month. You know, within, within the next couple of weeks, final pinch back on your mums. Keep them well fertilized and then just let them go. You know, and I don't know how tall they are, but I would never, you know, pinch more than a third of it off. Okay, that that's good. Second thing is, um, I have uh, some roses, three bushes that have never really done well, and I'm wanting to know if I can remove those and and then just put in their place back where they were some knockouts. Will that that work? Well, it all depends on why these weren't doing well. Are they in the shade? What's, you know, is it too wet? You know, those kind of, you know, problems could cause the roses not to do well. So if they're in uh, full sun, it's a well-drained area, it's just probably maybe you got hybrid teas or grandiflora. So, yeah, give the knockouts a try. Okay. Third, um, I got some heavy clay. Uh, I reseeded my front yard. Uh, part of it's doing well, but where the heavy clay is still at is not. Can I... Um, plug that with zoysia. Will zoysia do well in heavy clay? No, <laughs> it won't. Okay. I mean, no lawn. It's our weather in combination with the soil and everything else that really limits you know the ability to any, for anything. Even though they say it's heavy clay tolerant, it really isn't. Thank you, Mike. Yep. Good luck with that. And uh, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, any questions, comments, or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Carol lives in West County. Carol, how are you today? Uh Uh-oh. Carol, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, go ahead. Um, I... I have a, we have a bed that had some daylilies in it, but part of the bed was overtaken by Bermuda grass. And I, I sprayed that with Roundup and, um, I wanted to split some of the daylilies and move it into that space. Would it be a good time now or should I wait till the fall? I, uh, you know, anytime you dig up something and let's say split it or transplant it or something, as we're sort of approaching the most problematic time of year, is probably not the best idea. I'd probably wait, and then that way you can also make sure that you got all the uh, Bermuda under control because it could take multiple applications to finally get it all killed off. Okay, well maybe I'll have to spray it again. Yeah. So as soon as you start seeing some sprigs, then get out there and you know and spray it again. And, you know, okay. just, Bermuda is a really tough, grassy weed to get under control. Okay, thank you. Yep, good luck with that. And let's see, for your, if you have birch trees in your yard 
and they're starting to drop leaves. Expect that. That's summertime stuff, so don't you know, worry about it, whether river birch or white spire. It doesn't matter. If you want to do some pruning, you can prune your birch trees this time of year. You can also prune all your maple trees and then also beech trees. So if you're going to prune off longer branches that are lower because you want to let, let's say, more light in or you want to be able to mow around it a little bit easier, cut it off in, third, you know, in sections of one-third at a time. With a final cut, only leave a stub of about a half to a quarter inch. So don't just try to cut it off. Don't cut it straight at the trunk or the next major branch. Leave a small stub, but don't leave a long stub either. So small stub is the best thing you can do. Greenville, Illinois is where Susan lives. Hi, Susan. Good morning. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, we have crepe myrtles that we've had for several years, and uh, this year they have something that looks almost like a sap on them, really greasy looking, and it even gets off onto the sidewalk. Um, and they have something, I don't know, on the bottom of the leaves, too. Can you tell me what we can do for that? Uh, it, sound, it sounds more like an insect than anything else. So I would get an insecticide like insecticidal soap and spray on the underside of the leaves. Okay. Do you have any particular brand just, or anything? You know, yeah, Safer's insecticidal soap. That's just a very—you don't have to get an insecticidal soap. But, it, you know, it's, that's one option. There is all kinds of different insecticides you could use. That just happens to be one that I personally use myself. Okay. They don't, the, the plant, or the, it doesn't look bad. Right. But other than, they are just almost like grease coming off of them. <laughs> and the, the branches are not broken or anything. So, the, I mean, from the, mm-hmm. you saying they look, yeah, they don't look bad. I would say it has mm-hmm. to be related to insects. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. And then also just go out there first before you get the insecticide and just take a hose and try to hose all this stuff off and see what happens as a result of that. Okay. All right. I appreciate your help. Thank you. Certainly. And now let's come back from Greenville and go into Webster Groves and into Ron's yard. Hi, Ron. Hi. I got a question about hostas. What is going on with them? We've had hostas planted in this one part of our yard for 15 years, and this year they're all dead. They just barely started coming up, and then they died out. And we've got another hosta bed where one plant in one corner of it, same thing is happening. They just dying out. Is there some virus or, or bacterial infection going around that's getting them? Not that I know of, and, you know, my hostas, I have them underneath mugo pine. They look fine. My guess is you may have moles in your yard, and the nope, moles have tunneled nope. underneath. No and, moles. Never no. have seen any little little tunnels popping up. And uh, the yard is all clay with, it's really hard to find a worm in them. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe your hostas have just given up. <laughs> Because <laughs> your yard is, you know, the way. No, I mean, there's no virus, no disease, no nothing. But it has to be something physical if it's killing off large quantities. Yeah, there must have been, oh, probably six or eight plants along there, and they're just all gone. Yeah, nobody sprayed any kind of herbicide or anything nope, like that. No, nope, no. Nope. So. Yeah, that's a tough one. I don't, you know, I couldn't even guess on what that would be because that usually doesn't have individual plants. You can kind of figure out what it might be, slug snails or all that other stuff. But hosta are so tough 
it you know it has to be something you know related to the root system, and it has to be something that dehydrated the root system would be my guess. They got uh, these hostas also. The rabbits never touched them. In fact, the rabbits aren't really touching any of the hostas anymore. <laughs> I used to have them, and they'd eat them all off to the ground. Right. But now, no, no, nothing going on. And they looked uh, healthy last year. Oh, yeah, they looked great last yeah, year. So they just filled up a whole area in the backyard and all these plants growing across there. And we have not taken out any uh, trees or anything. Where I am finding, though, this thing about hostas and low light. Uh, I don't know if that's really as true as what people think because uh, the real dark hostas don't like a lot of light. Right. The ones that are almost black, the leaves, but the other ones seem to take a lot of light for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of the the variegated ones, some of them that, you know, have the yellowish tint to them, they can handle more, much more light. But the hostas I have, I have, uh, let's see, Big Daddy, or no, I have Francis Williams and Francie. They virtually get no light at all. They're growing underneath a mugo pine, which has a virtually a maple tree over the top of that. So well, but something you know, something physical had to happen to these hosta. Yeah, it was just oh, so many of them that just right. took out. Yeah, that's that means it wasn't you know anything nature actually did. So uh, go out there, dig them up a little bit, and see if you can find something in the ground. And if so, uh, you know, maybe give another shot at some new varieties. Okay, we'll have to do that. <laughs> these were so nice because these were freebies. Somebody gave them to oh. us. And they, it's been years they've been planting. And, you know, you say that some plants only live for so long. Right. But hostas form new plants all the time. Oh, absolutely. So the old plants, yeah, they might die back. But the new plants, you've always got new plants coming on. Right. And there's still even the old original plants. When I worked at the Botanical Garden in the English Woodland Garden back in the late 70s and early 80s, when I go back to the Botanical Garden, I can still see some of the original hostas <laughs> that were back there you know, from way back then. So, yeah, they have a long life. Yep, they're tough. Yep. Well, thanks, Ron. Yep. Bye bye. For that. Yep. And now let's go to Elle, and she lives in Jerseyville, Illinois. Hi, Elle. Yep. Hi. Hi. Hey, thanks. Thanks for your show. Sure. If if this has been addressed already, I'm sorry. Uh, but I this is my first year having an herb garden to the the amount that I have, and they're in containers. Um, I went out there yesterday, and it almost looked like dust covering these plants and when i got down closer it was really webs uh that probably the tightest webs i've ever seen in my life and i looked uh maybe for a little mite or something does any of this sound familiar and when i brushed it off it was just like almost like a dust web right my guess is just regular spiders spider mice generally do not go after herbs all that much Uh, that's not to say they won't but that's right. usually not the case. But I have, you know, some begonias that I'm growing. And I had one that was in a window box more circumstance. And the spider web was so thick on that thing, it, like you're, you're kind of describing. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I kept, you know, it took me three different times. But I finally, you know, knocked all the webbing off of it. And now it's, you know, it looks like the spider finally gave up and has moved on someplace else. Okay. So just keep knocking them off. <laughs> exactly. 
Don't okay. spray them. Don't do anything. Definitely don't overwater them. Don't fertilize them more than once, you know, half-label rate every six or eight weeks. So. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. To the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, we've got about uh, eight or nine minutes to go. If you have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Then at 10 o'clock, Investing Sense with Adam Bold. 11 o'clock, the Helotech Water Proofing. Home Improvement Show with Scott Mosby. 1 o'clock, Rick Edelman Show. And then 3 o'clock, Greg Damon Auto Show. And then at 5.20, the St. Louis Cardinals pregame show with Alex Ferraro. So all kinds of stuff coming up. Bellacy lives in Oakville. Hi, Bellacy. Yes. Uh, I'm calling to see if there's anything I can do to uh, get rid of the mold. My front yard looks like a mountain uh, range. <laughs> And unfortunately, I had it sodded two years ago. Yes, I can barely mow for the mounds of dirt. Yeah, I mean, so you got a real bad problem because the surface tunnels are where they eat, and the mounds of dirt mean they've got the secondary tunnel, which goes back to their sleeping dens. So I would say I don't know how many moles you have, but usually there's only a few in per yard because they're somewhat territorial. Traps is by far the best thing to do, and you got to set the traps yourself or have a professional service come out and set the traps. Okay. I mean, there's nothing else. I mean, grub control doesn't get really, really get rid of moles. Grub control gets rid of the grubs, but moles eat earthworms. That's their main diet, so you must have a nice yard or else the moles wouldn't be there because there wouldn't be earthworms for them to eat. Yeah, I have lots of worms. Yeah, so that's exactly why they're there. Mm-hmm. Okay, I I might call like Rottler or someone right, like Right, exactly. Okay, and I had one other question about is it ever a bad time to get mulch? I never got any mulch, and I really want to mulch before winter. Yeah, wait until fall because the mulch, just the heat in general of the mulch, you know, it could cause you know problems for your plant material. If you got to put it down. You know, because of an aesthetic problem, just put like an inch or less and keep it away from the bark of anything and keep it away from the stems of anything. Because this is not the ideal time of year to be putting mulch down. But you can do it before wintertime by just waiting till fall if you want to. But cosmetically, you can just put like a a half inch or an inch down so you can get that look of what you're looking for. No, I could wait till fall for that. It'll be easier to work. Okay, I really appreciate it. Sure, good luck. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, if you got a mole problem, <laughs> it is going to be a lot of work. Let's jump to Belleville and into Barbara's yard. Hi, Barbara. Hello, Barbara. Are you there? Nope. Guess not. And now let's go to Crestwood and into Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hello. Hi. Hi go, go ahead. ahead. Uh, I have a. I heard you talk about grass invading the flower beds. And yes. There's a product that can be used for that. Right. right. What is it? Basically, Basically, you can just, there's, there's all, all kinds of grass, grass killers that will say grass killer specifically on the label. And just so you don't have lilies or daylilies or anything that looks like it might be a grass blade, broadleaf, you know, whatever it happens to be, whether they're perennials, whether they're roses, whether they're shrubs, doesn't really matter. So you just get, it says grass killer right on the label. You can go to any garden center and they will have it. Myrtle sprouts, and I wonder about the 
efficacy of uh, separating them and trying to grow them. This, this is, is not the, the ideal, ideal time, time to do that. So you want to wait till you know, wait till mid to late August, and then do it at that time. Okay, wonderful. And then my mums are not like the other callers. My mums are really lagging this year, and I have fertilized them. They don't seem to have any disease, and I don't know what's the problem. Uh, just mums really need a lot. You know, you have fertilized moisture-wise and everything else. If you, are they, how long have you had them? Uh, five years. Yeah, so if they've done well in the past, it's got to be weather-related more so than anything else. Okay, I thought maybe because we had such a dry, warm winter. but They could have had that, but, yeah, I mean, you, you know they have that ba- sort of the basal rosette of leaves through the entire winter time, And so as long as that was there and everything else and you've been fertilizing and watering, drought stress may have had something to do with it, but generally the mums are looking actually pretty good right now if okay, you fertilized right. and watered. Okay, well, I'll give them another shot. Thank yep. you. Certainly. Now let's go to Baldwin and into Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Yeah, how are you doing today? Very good. Hey, I'm wanting to find out if it's too late uh, in the year or what I can do to fertilize my lawn. I, if there's, you know, I got some weeds and stuff I'd like to attend to, and um, is there something I can use at this time of year? If you have zoysia in lawn, yes. If you have bluegrass or fescue, no. Okay, I do have some zoysia that's creeping in and stuff, so yeah, it's mostly zoysia. Yeah, so if you've got mostly zoysia, then just go to your favorite garden center and get zoysia food. This is the time of year you want to feed it. Zoysia gets fed like May, June, July, August, and then once before mid-September. And then what about the weed portion of it? Uh, I would just individually go after the weeds. If they're broadleaf weeds, just get a weed-be-gone product. Get your lawn healthy and then go after the weeds. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep. And now let's Archie in St. Louis. Archie, how are you? Great. I was just calling to give the lady information about her mold problem. Okay. A friend of mine bought this device that you just, you dig a little hole and you stick it down into the ground and it's solar operated. Whoa. And it, and it lets off this little humming sound and it kind of vibrates the ground. Right. And it eliminated her mold problem completely. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of those before, but usually that's to keep the moles out. But if you have them in your yard, I don't know if it's going to drive them out of her yard, but it's certainly something to, you know, give consideration to. So thank you very much. And Barbara is going to be our last call. call Barbara lives in Belleville. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Hi, thank you very much for taking my call. Um, I have a burning bush, and some of the leaves are turning, like, white. And I was wondering what's happening. Basically, you probably have thrips, T-H-R-I-P-S. They feed on the underside of the leaf, and they scrape virtually all the color away from your leaves. So you can get an insecticide and try that. You might have spider mites if you see little webbing in between you know, the, where the actual leaf is and the little stem that holds it onto the twig. But my guess is you have thrips. Okay. And you go to your favorite garden center, tell them you have thrips, and see what kind of insecticide they recommend. And remember, you got to spray the underside of the leaf because spraying on the top of the leaf doesn't do any good. Okay. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Well, you do the very same thing. And thanks to everybody for calling in. One thing, too, uh, make sure that if you're growing tomatoes, we do have, you know, questions about the tomatoes, is if you start seeing some of the flowers dropping, it's because of excessive daytime temperatures. That's what's causing the tomato flowers to drop. 
They need to be fertilized on a regular basis in tomato food because it has that calcium that prevents something called blossom end rot. And that's when the bottom of your tomatoes get black. That's because you don't have enough calcium in your fertilizer. So it's really important to use a fertilizer for very specific products, whether it's roses, whether it's tomatoes, or whatever it happens to be, because each one of those things has something slightly different than another type of fertilizer, and it's really super important. As I'm going to repeat this again, too. If you have ground covers and you're getting grass to be invasive into it, get grass killer, spray it on the grass, and it won't impact your ground covers whatsoever. So, wow, perfect day to be outside. Just get out there and enjoy. <sighs> Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.